Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Well, happy holidays, family. Richard made me think, I was going to say happy Thanksgiving, but Richard made me doubt myself a little bit. I think he makes a good point, and I hope that those of you who are watching online will weigh in. And if you're here in the church and you want to take out your phone and weigh in online, you're welcome to do that too. But what is it? Is this, is this the Thanksgiving Sabbath, or is it the coming into Christmas Sabbath, or is it a Christmas? I don't know. You get, uh, we were actually having this as a debate with our staff, and so Richard went ahead and did the right thing, and let's, let's solve this democratically. So uh, go ahead and be sure to weigh in online and uh, just, you know, Stanley, I know you may be a little slow on your game since you've been on vacation for I don't know how long now, but I'm going to warn you, I'm going to ask you what people are weighing in later on, okay? Just so you know, just letting you know. I wouldn't want to surprise you um, or anything like that. So there we go. Um, Whatever it is, I hope you know just how thankful and grateful we are to have you worshiping here at Whole Life Church today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you so much for how much you love us. Uh, This season, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas, we're reminded of how grateful we are for you. And we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. So I have a question. What were you, uh, did anybody go through during this Thanksgiving holiday and kind of make a list of things you were thankful or grateful for? Anybody do that? I know it's a little cliche, but you know, people do that. I did. Went through and made a, a list of things. I, as uh, Tammy might have mentioned a little earlier, I'm really grateful for Vivian and John on our staff and their families who came and decorated. Um, looks so good out there, doesn't it? beautiful. There's a lot of things I'm grateful for. But what is what is the things on your list? When you think about the things you're grateful for, what are the things have in common? Why are you grateful for them? Is it generally because that thing brings you joy or comfort? It makes you feel good in some way. So with that in mind, let me ask you another question. This one I want you to kind of put in the back of your head. Does God feel gratitude? Does God feel thanks, gratitude, grateful? After all, the Bible tells us that the earth and everything in it and this universe and everything in it was created for him and by him. And yes, I did leave off purposefully that last little part, if you know it. But does God feel gratitude or thankfulness? So I thought, because today is a Thanksgiving sermon, okay? So 
well, we might change next year when we do our Thanksgiving sermon, depending on what you respond to. But today is a Thanksgiving sermon. But I want you to put that right in the back of your head. Does God feel gratitude? Is there things that we do that make him feel grateful? So to answer that question, I want to go for my Thanksgiving sermon to the book that you would all expect me to go to for a Thanksgiving sermon. No, 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 not Psalms. The book of Jonah. Right? That's where we all go. Don't you hear that every Thanksgiving from Jonah? Okay, well, you will from me. So 27 years or whatever, 37, whatever, will be from the book of Jonah every year, Thanksgiving. Um, And uh, yeah, so I want you to look at this verse, and I love it. Uh, Jonah chapter 4 is maybe one of my favorite chapters in the whole entire Bible. And I'm going to specifically focus in on verse 6. And God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Now, one of the things I love about this, this very grateful, one of the commentaries that I was reading out of, which uh, is uh, done by Smith and Page, and it's on Amos, Obadiah, and Jonah, um, one of the commentaries I read said that when it says that uh, Jonah was very grateful, that might be a little bit of an understatement because the way that it reads in the uh, in the original way it was written was that Jonah was deliriously happy. <laughs> How do you like that? I like that, right? That adds a little flavor to it. Jonah was deliriously happy. And what becomes really significant about this is that this is the only place in the book of Jonah where Jonah's happy ever, ever. One verse. And, and, and he's not kind of like, and it's not like he kind of goes halfway. Jonah's all or nothing. He is deliriously happy. Why? Because a leafy plant grows over top of him and brings him some comfort. Now, I don't want to act like everybody here knows the story of Jonah. Some of you are like, I don't know what's going on. So if you've heard the story a bunch of times, just bear with me. I want to go ahead and make sure I recap it in case there are people here who, who have never heard it before, okay? So here's how the story of Jonah goes in the first three chapters of Jonah. Now, Jonah, the book of Jonah is found in the Old Testament, all right? And I want you to keep that in mind because we kind of have this picture of Old Testament God, New Testament God, right? Old Testament God is kind of mean and genocidal. New Testament God is kind of loving and uh, lets everybody get away with anything, right? That's kind of the way that sometimes we play the Testaments. I want to suggest to you that's not the way it really is. And I want to say that Jonah is going to be part of that story, if you will, as we kind of look at this. So just to catch you up, if you're not, uh, if if you haven't been familiar with this story before, here's what happens. Jonah's a prophet. God shows up to him in the city that he's living in. And he says to, to, to Jonah, he says, I want you to go and preach to Nineveh. And tell them that uh, that my judgment is coming. And so Jonah says, nope. And he uh, jumps on a boat and heads in the opposite direction of Nineveh towards a town called Tarshish. Now, in Solomon's time in the Old Testament, it, t- it was a three-year round trip to go between where Jonah was at and Tarshish and back. Three years. So again, Jonah doesn't do things halfway. 
He, when God says go towards Nineveh, he goes in the exact opposite direction, a direction that would have taken a year and a half <laughs> to get to. He's taking no chances. He is getting away from what God asked him to do. And so he goes away, but the, the thing that Jonah knew, but was hoping that God would forget, was that God is everywhere and you can't outrun him. You can't hide from him. God's everywhere. And so while he's on the boat, God shows up in the form of a massive uh, storm at sea. Um, the sailors on the boat are overwhelmed. The boat is going to sink unless something happens. So everybody comes out on deck and starts praying to all their gods. In those times, that they believed in a pantheon of gods, those who weren't Jewish. And so the whole idea was everybody pray to your God, and hopefully one of us will hit the right God, and things will get fixed. All right? Well, Jonah's down in the hold of the ship. He's sleeping. He's He's... By the way, fascinating, right? He's asleep in the bottom of the ship. I think Jonah was kind of hoping he'd sink. I think he didn't care. He was getting away from God. And if that meant dying, he was pretty cool with it. And so finally they find him, they rouse him and said, hey, who's your God? You need to pray to him. And Jonah's like, dude, I know what's going on here. This is, this is my fault. That's a literal translation, by the way. Dude, I know what's going on. And so, and, and, and they say, well, what, what, what were you doing? He said, well, I'm running away from my God. And I love the way the New Living Translation says, why did you do that? <laughs> why? You're going to kill us all. So John says, no, 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 I have the solution. All you need to do is just throw me overboard and everything will be good. Now, you got to give these sailors some credit. They're like, no, no, we can't do that. That's, that's, not, that's not a good thing to do. Which says a lot because their ship was about to, you know, go down but they don't want to throw Jonah overboard. So they try everything else. Nothing's working. Finally, like they say, okay, tell your God it's not our fault that we're throwing over. This is on you. We're, we're just doing what you told us to because why should we all die because you're running away from your God? Okay, so we're all cool. And Jonah's like, yeah, just throw me over. I don't care. So they throw him overboard. And the Bible says that God prepared a great fish. Uh, New Living Translation uses the word arranged that God arranged for a big fish to swallow Jonah. So Jonah gets uh, swallowed up in this fish. He lives in the fish for three days where he literally has a come to Jesus moment and realizes that perhaps he wasn't doing the right thing. And so the fish then, in my favorite part of the story, throws Jonah up. I can only imagine what that would be like. I have to clean up pet vomit on an occasion, and I can't imagine what it would be like to be spewed out that way, but that's what Jonah is. He's spewed out onto the land, and he uh, then dutifully heads to Nineveh, where he does a fantastic job of exceeding God's request. God told him to tell Nineveh that judgment was going to come. Nineveh comes, and he says, God's going to destroy you all in X amount of time. God's going to just wipe you off the planet. And that's where we get to uh, the last part before we hit our chapter four. The people actually take Jonah seriously. And they, from the least to the greatest, they put on sackcloth and they cry and they tell God, hey, we're sorry, we've messed up. Please have mercy on us, if you will. Who knows? Maybe God will have mercy on us. And God does. And here comes some other of my favorite verses in Jonah. This is, we're going to start in Jonah chapter four, verse one. So let's take a look at this. This change of plans greatly <laughs> upset Jonah and he became very angry. 
So what I want you to do is remember how we looked at verse six and it, he, was, he was delirious with joy. These two texts are actually meant to juxtapose with each other. This change of plans, God sparing the people of Nineveh, this change of plans greatly upset. He was furious. He was really angry. Really, really angry. Now, before we get too judgmental of Jonah, I want you to think of a people group that's caused oppression. I want you to think maybe back to World War II. And I want you to ask yourself, what would have happened if God had told you to go preach to a group of genocidal people and tell them to repent, and then God spared them when they did? Because, I mean, it's easy to pick on Jonah, but really, honestly, what, that's what was happening with Jonah. What you have to understand is the Assyrians were terrible people. They had conquered Jonah's country. And they didn't just come in and, like, do nice things. I mean... I'll be careful, but it was, they were brutal, beyond brutal. Killing people was the nice end of what they did. They, they like to kill people in front of their children or, or kill the children in front of the parents. One of their favorite things to do is to kill children in front of their parents and then gouge the parents' eyes out. So that's the last thing they saw and then let them live. I know I'm getting a little graphic, but I think it's important for us to understand why Jonah might have been a little bit upset. So Jonah complains to the Lord about it. And this is what I really want you to hear. We often paint a picture of Jonah running away from God because because he was afraid of what those evil Ninevites would do to him. That's not true. That's not why Jonah ran away. Jonah had courage. The truth of why Jonah ran away is right here. Didn't I say before I left home that you'd, do this, Lord. That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you're a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. And I guarantee that's exactly how he said it. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Why? Because the test of a prophet in the Old Testament is whether what they say comes true or not. So he's about to be proved to be a false prophet. And on top of that, the very people that he hates so much are not going to be destroyed. So it's a double, triple, whatever you want to call it, whammy. And God replies, is it right for you to be angry about this? (laughs) And Jonah doesn't answer (laughs) because he's too angry. He goes out to the east side of the city, makes a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. Now, people will tell you that that this shelter that he would have built would not have been nearly adequate in the heat. The heat uh, easily got above 100 degrees where he was living, easily. Uh, It's been known to get up to 120 degrees. So a little shelter is not going to do much for you out there, particularly if you're trying to make it out of like green stuff. That green stuff is going to turn to brown stuff really fast. 
Now, this is where we get to verse six. God arranges for a leafy plant to grow. And soon it spreads broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort and Jonah was very grateful, deliriously happy for that plant. But God arranged for a worm. Now, here, here's something that's fun. Go home. This isn't really a huge part of the sermon, but I want you to think about this. All throughout the book of Jonah, we see that God has, has dominion over nature. Okay? There's, this is a major running theme. Through, remember, the, the, there's this, this big ocean storm he creates. Then he arranges for a giant fish to swallow Jonah. It's hot. And now God goes from creating a big fish, arranging for a big fish, to arranging for one of the smallest of animals. God arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God also arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. There's actually a name for it that I can't pronounce in those places. But the locals call it the suicide wind because people have been known to take their lives because it is such an awful experience to go through. Is You know, sometimes when you think of wind, it's like cooling. This isn't. This is a wind that brings heat. It blows the grit of the desert onto you. So you have to understand that the locals in this place, this wind is not something to just be messed around with. This is like, this is the stuff that drives people insane. And God arranges for this wind to come along. The sun beat down on Jonah's head and he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he explained. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? So God didn't get an answer the first time around. But this time, Jonah's ready to talk. Yes, even angry enough to die. And this is what I really want you to hear. Then God said, you feel sorry about a plant that you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness not to mention all the animals. By the way, for those of you who think that God doesn't care about animals, he does. This is one of the proofs texts that you can go to and see. God cares not just about people, but about animals and how they're taken care of. Not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Here's what I want you to think about for a second. This text is juxtaposing a leafy plant and a whole city filled with people. Jonah felt deliriously happy, grateful for that plant. And God was saying, you know how you felt about that plant? That's how I feel about those people. Normally, when we think about what we're grateful for, we think about people or things that have done something for us. 
I think about my kids. I'm grateful for my kids. I love my kids. They bring me joy. They may not be perfect, but they do a lot of things that make me very happy. I think that I am grateful for the home that I live in. I do not take it for granted that I have air conditioning and that I have running water. I have lived in places where it was hot like this and I did not. And so I don't take that for granted. I am very happy to live in a home with running water and air conditioning. These are things that bring me comfort. And as I thought about my my Thanksgiving list of things I was grateful for, there wasn't a single thing on that list that caused me pain in a significant way. And yet, what we see is God saying that a, a city filled with barbarians, sadistic, cruel, unkind people, he has a passionate love for them. And when they repent, when they turn, let's be clear about what repentance is. It's turning towards God. It's not perfection. It's turning towards God. These people didn't turn towards God perfectly. (laughs) If you read the story, they do some things that are outside of what Leviticus and Deuteronomy would have said they should have done. But the point is that they make a shift as imperfect as it might be and turn towards God and say, hey, we've messed up. And God says, that makes me deliriously, deliriously happy. It makes me grateful. It makes me thankful. As we journey into this Christmas season, let's not forget what makes God deliriously happy. Let's go ahead and think about our own values. I know my values aren't going to change overnight, but I'd like them to start shifting. I'd like to stop being as concerned about my comfort as I am for the eternal comfort of others. I would like to be less focused on what you're doing for me as opposed to what I can do to help you know Jesus. You know, at Thanksgiving, we often take stock of the things for which we are grateful and thankful. And I want you to know today that God is thankful for you. He is thankful that you are sitting here today. He is thankful that you are online viewing this. He is thankful that your heart is turned towards him in this moment in time. You make God deliriously happy when you choose to live in relationship with him. As you think about the things that you're thankful for, what are the things on your list? If those things were taken away like Jonah's leafy vine, if those things were taken away from you, 
would it cause you misery? The book of Jonah challenges us to be grateful for the material blessings God gives us, but to find our true joy in what gives God joy. People who turn their hearts and lives over to him. I would love to challenge you, either right now while the song is about to be played, or a little later on today, to text somebody that you love, that you care about. Maybe it's somebody who doesn't feel like God cares about them. But text them in just just a simple text. Something that says, did you know that you give God joy and that he's grateful for you? And I want you to know that I am grateful for you as well. Just one person, one person on your list that you know needs to hear that from God today. God will put that person on your mind. He probably already has. Just a simple text message, email, phone call, or if you just want to drop in and visit the person, but tell them, I want you to know that God loves you and is grateful for you, and so am I. All right, now is the time for that Q&A, but first let's talk about um, the internet. They have spoken. They have spoken. They have spoken. And Whoa. overwhelmingly, this is a Thanksgiving service, so I need help taking these flowers out, <laughs> get the trees down. Um, sorry, it's, 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 it's just Thanksgiving. Well, there's, I, you know, I think we need to be careful about being ahead of ourselves. There is still second service. Yeah. So there could be a bias Yeah. on the well, first service side of things. We don't know. I mean... Maybe like it's Thanksgiving until the service is done and then it's Christmas. So when you go out, that's it's, it's Christmas. Possible. So I think we should I leave the points that is where I they're at because yes. I don't want to have to bring them back in later. So there we go. Yeah. There we go. All right. Um, if you have not submitted a question or this is your first time here, just join me on wholelife.church slash live or find us on <laughs> Facebook and put a question into the chat. Uh, we already have a couple. I'm going to start here with one from Trefina. So uh, she says, so Pastor Ken, are you saying that's how God works? Are you saying that God plays with our feelings to teach us lessons? Yes. And then, and then a follow-up question is, is that why things we do not like happen to us over and over again? Yes, yes. All right. That's it? That's, that's all? <laughs> I, you know, it's a good question. I know that none of us feel comfortable with it, but yeah, God does do things to get our attention, the same that we do things to get our own children's attention. I'm not being mean when I try to teach my child that the the top of the stove is hot. Um, I'm not being mean when I, um, I'm not being mean when I allow my children to experience the results of some of the things they do and then have a conversation with them about it. In fact, I'm being loving as a parent my goal is to, to spare them from larger hurts in life by allowing them to take some small bumps early on. And so I, it is a very loving God. And that's why the Bible says that I discipline those that I love. And it's, it's not meanness. It's actually kindness and God's mercy. So, um, and yeah, and I think that it's an interesting thing that, that it seems like, um, I remember, uh, 
having an employee once who uh, told me, I just can't stand you. He said, you're just like my last boss and the boss before that. I don't know why God keeps putting people like you in my life. And, you know, not being a nice person, I said, well, maybe you ought to learn the lesson and, we, I, and we'd both be <laughs> happier. Um, but honestly, when we start, when we see the same thing showing up again and again, that probably is a little bit of a, um, maybe a moment to stop and reflect, why is it showing up again and again? Is it something that God is trying to get my attention on? Hmm. I, it can, to quote my children, that, that isn't fair. That's probably how it feels yeah. sometimes. It uh, doesn't. And you know, the cool thing about this whole Jonah story is God is not only patient with the people of Nineveh. Look how patient he is with Jonah. Look at how patient he is with Jonah. You can feel the love of God oozing out to Jonah. And I love the story of Jonah because I think Jonah, I think the book is titled after him. I think he told his own story and I just love it that he left himself as the bad guy at the end. Just just leaves it. Boom. That's who I am. All right. We have, uh, I was going to ask Nathaniel's question, but uh, Zoe's leap flows into this a little bit better. So I'm sorry, Nathaniel. Um, maybe second <laughs> Let that service. teach you to come back to church this week, Nathaniel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Stanley's just trying to get even because I wouldn't answer his question when he was That's here. right. <laughs> um, Zoe says um, it's easy to mock or downgrade Jonah for his entire book. But we do the same thing that he does a lot of times. Uh, how can we be grateful for people or things that don't help us? Well, I think that to me, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a two-parter. We ask God to help change our hearts, number one. And that's the first and most important step. And then we practice. We practice. And, we, and practice implies that you're going to fail. Um, you wouldn't need to practice if you weren't going to fail. So we practice. We we ask God, and every time we learn a little bit and, and ask God to help us do a little bit better the next time around. Awesome. All right. Well, we still have a few seconds left. So Nathaniel's question is, what does internal comfort look like then? What does internal comfort look like? What does internal comfort look like? Yeah, five seconds. Um, it looks like comfort that is on the inside. And uh, so we will come back to that. Deep. During the podcast, that's right. So we have a podcast called This Is Whole Life. You should check it out. It's available absolutely everywhere that podcasts are heard. Check it out. It is called This Is Whole Life. And we always answer questions that don't get answered here during the week. So please check that out. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stanley. And by the way, it's good to have you back. Thank you. Good to be back. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jonah's example. Thank you that we can be runaways and yet we never get away from you. You never give up. You never quit. You just keep pursuing us because you desire good things for us. You desire to see us grow and become more like you. This uh, holiday season, Lord, may we be thankful and grateful, deliriously happy, over the things that make you deliriously happy. We pray in your name. Amen. I love you, family. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Go love your world, all right? Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God 
is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace, and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians. All focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.